Binge Boys is the name of this podcast. Hi, I'm Hal Rudnick, and across from me on the Zoom is Lon Harris, and he and I will be talking about streaming programs and other things surrounding streaming. Lon Harris, uh, how goes it? Pretty good. Not too bad, I have to say. Uh, how about you? Oh, not bad. You and I are both dog owners. We were talking dog things before that. You know what? It seems like every episode now, <laughs> you and I talk about what could possibly be our imaginary Patreon? What's behind the paywall? Right. It could be dog chat. It could be dog owner chat. It could just be us just talking the everyday business of uh, having a dog, of keeping a dog around. Yep. It's not very exciting. I, I have to say, Taco Care is very simple. Uh, it, he's not a he's not a very demanding animal. You know what? That's a far cry from my dog, Millie, my blind seventeen year old dog. She's the boss. She is very demanding. But you know what? I am gladly in Her Majesty's secret service. <laughs> yeah, like with Taco, if I if I'm too doting, it's like suffocating. Like he's not into it. He's got he he'll let me know when he's when he's ready for it. I mean, he he loves he 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 always needs me to be around. It's like a weird thing. Like if I'm more than ten feet away, well, that's no good. He needs okay. me supervising. But. He doesn't want me, like, in his face. See, like, me at my desk, him on the bed sleeping, that's the perfect. If I mess with him all the time, it'd be like, ugh, uh, again? Juan, you, you needy, are so needy. Clingy motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I get the, I get the like, large dog eye equivalent of the I just need some space talk, like, a surprising amount. Uh, do you uh, do you ever uh, like on on a Tuesday? Do you ever grab him and uh, like give him uh, give him uh, some uh, tickle and be like, "It's Taco Tuesday! It's Taco Tuesday!" I don't think a Tuesday passes where at one point I don't declare it Taco Tuesday. For real? Yeah, if you have a dog named Taco and it's Tuesday, it's Taco Tuesday. What am I, an asshole? How dare you? How dare you even suggest I wouldn't? You know what? That that is that is absolutely my bad. That is absolutely my bad. It's like, do I have a taco themed parody for every like pop song once it reaches a certain level of like popularity? Like, of course I do. Of course. Can, can I uh, put you on the spot and ask you to? No, give me I'm one? not going to sing any taco. Oh, songs. please! I've done that. I've done it on other podcasts when I mentioned that there are taco songs. Can you speak one? Uh, no, because oh. we'll, we'll, we'll save that. That'll be behind the, that's, this is the Patreon goal. This is. The, Ooh, you gotta leave them wanting more. You gotta leave, exactly. See, you, you're good at that. See, I give them, I give them the cow and the milk for free. Let's you be honest, leave them. you're desperate to please. I and, am uh, desperate and, to please. And I've got a little bit of more of, you know, like I, I, I have a little bit more of a showmanship. I let it all hang out. I don't know when to say when. Right. Um, I've got more of a J.J. Abrams puzzle box approach where it's like, yes, listen, you do. Yes, you do. You're box. a little bit more like Taco. You're you're a little more standard. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. You're like, love me. I'll give you whatever you want. Taco songs, you got it. And that was Dog Talk with Lon and Hal. Yeah, just a little taste of what the mini-sodes are going to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lon, uh, is there anything going on? In the news, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, the news with Lon. What if one week I was just like, no, nothing, literally nothing happened in the world of streaming this week. That that never happened. I mean, first up, I'd have to pick my jaw up off the floor. <laughs> when I I used to do years and years ago now, when, when YouTube first started, I used yes. to do a show called This Week in YouTube, and it was a whole week, and we would cover 
everything big that happened on YouTube. And there were some weeks where I would like run. I would have like three things I wanted to highlight. And then I'd be like, wow, there was nothing else good this week to highlight. So there was a makeup tutorial. It wasn't even that. That hadn't even that hadn't even occurred to people yet. This was the era when it was still like, oh, look, a funny news report from somewhere crazy where there's like some idiot or like a blooper from TV and it was like a lady falling over. You know what was big back then? Russian traffic accidents. Oh yeah, dash cams. (laughs) Exactly. It was that era where it was, people hadn't even figured out yet. Like I should show show people how to put on makeup and that would get views. We weren't Mm -hmm. even there yet. Uh, So anyway, no, there's lots of news, of course. Uh, Our first story, Game of Thrones star Amelia Clark and the Crown star Olivia Colman. She's also an Oscar winner, Hal. Do you know the movie? Name the movie. Oh, uh, um, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, the favorite. There you go. Perfect. Uh, They both signed on for Marvel's Secret Invasion series. That's coming Mm. to Disney+. Plus. It's a Marvel time. So Ben Mendelsohn and Samuel L. Jackson are reprising their roles from Captain Marvel and the MCU uh, Mm -hmm. as Talos the Skrull and Nick Fury. Uh, And now we don't know what roles Olivia Colman and Amelia Clark are going to play, but they're both going to be in that show. It is about a Skrull, you know, Skrulls, they can shapeshift. Yes, they can shapeshift. And like we thought they were the bad guys, but they were actually ended up being uh, nice guys. Right. In Captain Marvel, that's true. I believe Secret Mm. Invasion is about a rogue group of Skrulls that are hiding out among humanity and we got to like find them. Oh, gotcha. Uh, And Kingsley Benadir, he played Malcolm X in One Night in Miami which yes. perhaps you saw. Yeah, oh, absolutely. We talked about it on this show. We did. Uh, so he's the villain. So he's going to be like the bad, Ooh. the leader of the bad Skrulls. Yeah, he had a quiet power in that movie. Like, yeah. I think we, we, I remember us just talking about the performances in One Night in Miami, which are strong across right. the board. And like, just, you know, he brought it like the uh, the requisite intensity needed to play Malcolm X. Yeah. I mean, what we were saying too, he also played Obama in the Comey rule, that Showtime series. Like that's, oh, if yeah. you, within a matter of months, people are like, I want you to play Malcolm X and I want you to play Barack Obama. You should be like, I should stop acting and become a great orator. Like I'm right? reminding people of like two of the greatest givers of speeches of all time. Like it's crazy. Absolutely. And, you know, I'd venture to say that, you know, back to a little bit of Olivia Coleman. She's one of the best uh, actors working today. Just seamlessly uh, can move in and out of comedy, drama, really absurd comedy like uh, Look Around You. People forget this. She was in the office, like the UK office Christmas special. Oh. Like she's a mainstay of British TV comedy. Like I knew her from all those goofy, dumb shows way before it was like Oscar. Like even Broadchurch was way before I thought of her as even like a film actor. Mm-hmm. And she's in what? She's in like Hot Fuzz too. Yes. Like she's in a lot of like goofy stuff. Yeah, she she's so good and just not afraid to really just flip the switch and go crazy. Really good in the Lobster too. Sure. Doesn't love the lobster. Her, her yeah. scene with John C. Riley and that toaster, just like one of the funniest scenes in like the past decade. Yeah, so this could be fun seeing her in like a Marvel context. I'll watch it. We'll watch it. We'll watch it and talk about it right here. Oh, we gotta watch all the Disney Marvel. Come yes. on, we're gonna watch all. This. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. Next story, Master of None. You remember? It's been four years since we had a new season 
of Aziz Ansari's Master of None. Mm-hmm. In 2018, there was, uh, he got into to a, a situation. He got half canceled? There was a, yeah, he got like me too'd, but it didn't, it didn't fully take. Where there was this article on. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird, it was a, you know, it was an unfortunate situation. It sounded like he was a little bit tone deaf, but it didn't sound right. like it, like it wasn't like an, an assault. He, he was called out for an, an aggressive bad date. He was, he was yeah. overly aggressive on this date. Uh, nice. And this woman who did not, she was, it was anonymously written. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was like he was in trouble for a while, but then he sort of came back. He, he has had a Netflix. He had that Netflix special, which had that awkward opening. I didn't like uh, what he was wearing. <laughs> That's special. I actually didn't. I'm, I'm a big fan of his stand-up, and, and I wasn't, it wasn't like I was holding the article against him. I just, I didn't love that special. It felt like weirdly low energy and like, I don't know, like I just wasn't, yeah, it, I've, I've been a bigger fan of his in the past. It just didn't do it for me, that material. Oh, sure. Like, I like his Randy character. I like so much of what he's done in, in the past. Yeah, and like his old Cousin Harris stuff, or was his, like his nerdy Cousin Harris. Like, I used yeah. to love all that stuff. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I think the tenor of the situation that he had to address up top kind of cast a pall over the special. I agree. I yeah. agree. I'd look forward to seeing him do something new where it's just like he gets to just talk about whatever he wants. Uh, but so anyway, all that aside, yeah. Master of None, It's we didn't know this was happening, but it's coming back next month. It will debut a third season, but... The difference is, Ansari's still working on it behind the scenes. He's directing, he co-wrote, but Lena Waithe's character, Denise, is going to be the main character for the new episode. So we're going to kind of shift focus. Gotcha. Are we going to have some, uh, going to have some Eric Wareheim up in there? I, I mean, it sounds like everybody's coming back. So yes, Eric has already been like posting about it. Like he's definitely coming back. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he and Dev, the Aziz character, they're going to take probably more of a backseat and we'll sort of shift focus over to Denise and her world as the main character. And I mean, that makes some sense. That was the big Emmy episode from season two was the one Aziz and Lena Waithe wrote together about Thanksgiving where Angela Bassett mm-hmm. played Denise's mom. Right. So, I mean, I guess they're kind of... It makes sense they would sort of steer into that pocket anyway. Uh, but anyway, that's that's what's happening over there. I mean, yes and no. I mean, maybe just because of the tarnish on Aziz's star, you know, post this, the whole thing that he's uh, gone through. I guess, but the timing on that would be weird because Lena Waithe also has kind of been not the internet's favorite low these past few months. Because of them? Well, it was, it, it, it's been a bunch of different things. I don't think we need to get into it. We're too, nobody wants to listen to the two white guys take down Lena Waithe podcast. True. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to, cause she's uh, done many gr- great things. And that, no, know. I'm not trying to, either. but uh, Queen and Slim and them both have been brought up as these examples of people are questioning whether or not they're exploiting black pain and black violence and black tragedy in that way. It doesn't seem like it's quite so uplifting. There was also a uh, a sexual harassment scandal behind the scenes at the Chai or the Chai, right? That's how you put yeah, it? Yeah, Chai. Mm-hmm. Where it was like she was perceived as backing somebody who maybe she should have called out instead. Gotcha. Uh, there's a few different things with her. So she, right. anyway, it's, if you were going to pick somebody like Aziz is a little toxic, let's focus on someone else right now. Lena Waithe, kind of an interesting choice. I don't know. Right. Maybe an Eric Wareheim season is where they should have gone. Perhaps, or maybe stop. <laughs> or just, <laughs> uh, I, that, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you there. 
I, I like Master of None. I absolutely did like Master of None. I'm going to check out a third season that's so focused on Denise, and maybe I'm I'm open to it. Maybe it'll be Listen, great. Listen, I, I like Lena Waite as, as an artist, and uh, so much of what I've seen of her, you know, maybe not 100% across the board, but I enjoy it. And I'll watch it, because I absolutely, I agree with you, Lon. I really like that show, and I thought, you know, the same way I said... Uh, Olivia Coleman can slip between comedy and drama. That show did it so well. Right. I'm hoping that as long as it keeps the tone, they're going to shoot on film again. So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to kind of keep the tone of the other seasons and they're just going to kind of, like, let's look at this other corner of the world that we're, that we're doing. The stuff they did in Italy for that show was really lovely. Yeah, and it that just was like, great. The opening and it was, stuff of season two, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it was absolutely, like, the show went at its own pace. It wasn't trying to be something else, and it was, yeah, it was it was kind of cool. So, yeah, I'll yeah. check it out. A little bit, though, now that it's been a few years, we can take a step back. It's a little bit of a relic of that, like, foodie moment when everybody was, like, obsessed with all this, like, hipstery food and, like, ooh, what are the new restaurants opening? Yeah. And, like, already, even just four years later, that feels like a cultural artifact in some ways. Like, maybe it's just... The Bourdain effect? Maybe it's just the pandemic has sort of killed that vibe somewhat, but I already feel like that's now seen as, like, hipstery, like, dork to be, like, super into food and, like, oh, I'm gonna go learn how to make pasta from the yeah, masters. Yeah, I have a wanderlust. I'm gonna go live, laugh, love right. and make pasta. Yeah. Anyway, well, we'll, we'll see. that. That's gonna be back next month. So June, that'll be uh, returning to Netflix. Moving on, Hillary Duff. Now that the Lizzie McGuire show not happening, mm-hmm. that's over. And there was some talk that her character from Younger, I don't know if you've seen TV Land's Younger, now on Paramount Plus. I haven't. She's on that. And there was a rumor that maybe her character might get spun off into a new show. That's also not happening. Older. Older. No, she's not the one. Sutton Foster's the one who's younger, not Hillary Duff. Anyway, it turns out the big Hillary Duff next project we've been waiting for is going to be Hulu's How I Met Your Father. This is a follow-up to How I Met Your Mother. Right. So Hillary Duff is now the storyteller. So the show opens in the near future. She's tell she's a woman named Sophie who's telling her son the story of How I Met Your Father, and then we'll flash back to 2021 and watch it progress. Gotcha. We don't know yet if this is, is this in the same world as How I Met Your Mother? Like, will Barney show up? We don't know that. Or if it's like mm-hmm. just going to take the format and do its own thing. Now, a lot of people had uh, hot takes and opinions about the finale of that show. Did you have any thoughts on it, Juan? I've seen that show. I watched it when it like started, I think. Yeah. But I, I was already long gone. I never even watched the finale. Like I had given up seasons before that. And I was just like, I don't really care. Same. I've, I've probably even watched less than you. Right. Like I thought MPH was funny for a while. Like I, I didn't hate it at first, but I, it just wore out its welcome for me. Yeah. That actually happens with most sick. Like it's a rare sitcom that I will stick with through the duration, even if I like it at first. Yeah, no, I, I feel I feel similar, especially I don't, you know, this is going to come, I don't know how to do this without coming across as like a fucking TV snob, but um, especially most network sitcoms. Well, sure, I don't think that's like TV snob, it's like they're they are what they are, and you kind of get it. And like, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm, I'm. I'm trying to think of like the last like network TV sitcom I like diligently watched all the way through to the end. Like The Office, probably NBC's The Office. Yeah. Like I stuck with that to the bitter end. Like I watched the Robert California episodes. <laughs> uh, but that was probably the last time. Yeah, I 
Juan, we better move on or they're going to take away our Binge Boys cards. Well, well, I don't have to watch Network. I feel like most people don't watch Network TV sitcoms anymore, but my sense is that this would be more like a Hulu show anyway. Like, it'll probably be like 10 episode seasons and more current than How I Met Your Mother. Do you watch those uh, episodes when they bring in a new cast to do the uh, classic lot, the classic episodes, the live episodes of classic shows? Like, they'll bring in, like, uh, Jamie Foxx and Woody Harrelson to be in uh, The Jeffersons and All in the Family. No, I, like, I don't really care that enough no. about that and, like, the stunt casting. But I probably would enjoy it because but that's fun and I like old TV Yeah, shows. I'd probably enjoy it, too, but I don't care enough either because I'm, you know, just, you know, kind of dead inside. And, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. It's the sort of thing that, like, in L.A., if they were doing it live on stage, you'd be, like, desperate to get tickets for. Like, oh, my God, that sounds so awesome. Oh, for but sure. Because they're putting it on TV and everybody can watch it. You're like, what am I? Like a, like a commoner? Like, I'm going to watch this with everybody else in America? Fuck that. Like, they they did that uh, reading series of different films at, like, the LACMA and different places. Yes, I went to go see a bunch of those. That was super fun. Oh, I didn't get to see any. The best one I ever saw was uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh. And J.K. Simmons read Darth Vader and like he came in, he entered the auditorium from the very back and they played the Imperial March and they had a retinue of dudes in like screen perfect stormtrooper. Like he had a retinue of stormtroopers walking into the stage. It was super awesome. But then they surprised us uh, and Luke Hamill came out and played the Emperor. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. That's Luke Hamill. What the Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. Yeah. Came out and right read the, the part of the Emperor. And it was uh, Rain Wilson was Chewbacca. And uh, Elliot <laughs> Page was Han Solo. Oh, cool. Uh, it was super fun. It was really cool. Damn. That sounds beyond. Beyond. I saw The Princess Bride, too. Wasn't Jason Reitman the one organizing this? Yeah, Jason Reitman was the one who put all those together. Uh, yeah, so I saw The Princess Bride, too, and Rob Reiner and um, oh, Fred Savage. They reprised their roles. Like, they came and just read their same parts. Oh. And then Carrie Elwes also came, but he played Prince Humperdinck. Fun. Super that's fun. awesome. That's really awesome. cool. Uh, anyway, so those were super fun. And that's what I mean. Like, if it was like, oh, they're going to do it live on stage and they're going to do All in the Family, I'd be like, hell yeah, I will pay you $100 to sit there and clap. Yeah, that feels like a worthwhile event. But put it on NBC and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, let's move on. The Adam Sandler Netflix sci-fi adventure film Spaceman. This is going to be directed by Johan Renk, who did Chernobyl, by the way. Uh, wow. It's added a I bunch mean, he, of... Johan Rank seamlessly shifting between comedy and drama. Yeah, yeah he really <laughs> is. Uh, well, I don't know if this is comedy. This is like, it's like a sci-fi adventure. It's based on a book. Like, I feel like this is heady sci-fi as opposed to like, hey, hey. Like, it's not like that Harlan Williams where he goes to Mars one. I don't think it's like that. Oh, um, I don't remember what what was that movie called. Are, are you looking it up? Do you want me to look it up? Well, you look it up while I read this story. Okay. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So Paul Dano, Carrie uh, Mulligan, and Kunal Nayar. He's the guy from Big Bang Theory. Yes. Uh, they will all co-star in this film, Spaceman. Sandler plays an astronaut on a mission. He's bound for the edge of the galaxy, and he befriends an ancient and mysterious creature that's living in the shadows of his ship. Oh. Interesting. Harlan Williams' movie is called Rocket Man, by the way. Rocket Man, of course. That's where he farts. He farts in his spacesuit, and he's sharing the air supply with all the other astronauts, so they have to breathe in his farts in a memorable scene. And then he also recounts the uh, the rise of Elton John. 
No, that's a different movie also called Rocket Man. Gotcha. You can imagine the frustration of people trying to make a musical biography about Elton John that this incredibly Wait, dumb, so Taron Edgerton was the one who farted in his spacesuit? This incredibly dumb space fart movie <laughs> stole the perfect time. I mean, you would say like, like, surely they could just go with Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or something. Like, he did have other hit songs. Right? Yeah, call it... Um, uh, England's Rose. Sad songs say so much. That song is called Candle, Candle in the, the Wind, pal. Come on. Goodbye, England's Rose. That's, he says that in the song. In the Lady Die version. You know, there are two versions. Yes, of course. We all know about the multiple versions of Candle in the Wind, pal. Do you want to hear an unpopular opinion? Shoot. Every time a celebrity dies, any celebrity, from Larry King to DMX, Mm-hmm. Elton John needs to do a version for this, that celebrity. A new candle in the wind for yes. every dead celebrity. That's a lot. That's That would be his full-time career. Like, every day, I know. he's got a new version of candle in the wind. And they don't always lend themselves to that metaphor. Like, dogs don't really... Like, what do you do with DMX? Uh, I mean, goodbye... Is, is, he, is DMX from Brooklyn? Yes, I believe so. Um, goodbye, Brooklyn's Rose. No, that's... Well, that you're just being... And also, uh... <laughs> I believe Brooklyn's Rose is already, that's Neil Diamond's song about his mother, I believe. Really? I believe there is a song called Brooklyn's Rose, and it's a song that Neil Diamond wrote about his mom. I'm going to look it up now. I think I've seen him perform this song. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, You are no longer up in here. You're up there. In heaven above. Wow, truly, this does not sound like a good, like a good song. Maybe this is not a great yeah. idea. I don't know. You know what? Me just riffing on a recently passed celebrity is probably the celebrity's death is not. Brooklyn Rhodes. Brooklyn Rhodes is the name of that Neil Diamond song. I just misheard it when he played it. Wow, we've really gone down a rabbit hole here. Quick story, then we will get back to the streaming news. I've been to a lot of concerts. I'm a 42-year-old man. I've seen a lot of live music. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anyone but Neil Diamond do this. He played Sweet Caroline, front to back, songs over, crowd goes nuts. He goes one more time to the band. They start from the beginning and play the complete song Sweet Caroline again. Wow. Instant encore. He just did it back to back twice. Damn. That's crazy. The same song. I feel like you only get away with that if you're Neil Diamond doing Sweet Caroline or you're Smash Mouth playing All-Star. Those are the only two bands and songs that can do that. So, Spaceman, Adam Sandler. <laughs> I appreciate you trying to get back to that. Adam Sandler is a compulsive gambler in space. I Wow, would I love to see the Safdie brothers do just like Adam Sandler, but it's sci-fi. Oh, I mean, imagine like the frenetic Safdie brothers space movie. Yeah. I'm into it. We'll probably have that eventually. I think one day they'll get talked into doing something in outer space or something yeah. Marvel. Guardians of the Galaxy 7 will just be a real intense, brutal journey into the heart of darkness. Or Fast and Furious 17. We can only hope. Yeah. Fast and Furious presents Uncut Gems too. All right, moving on. Kiss. You know Kiss, the, the, the rock band. They want to rock and roll all night and also party every day. Yes, of course. Um, my pals uh, Nick Mundy and Billy Patterson are huge Kiss, yeah. Kiss aficionados. Billy Patterson, a, a, a certified member of the Kiss Army in good stand. I'll give you one a quick fun fact. 
My sister, Bonnie, she uh, lived in L.A. before I got here, and she was a location scout and location manager, and she worked on this early 90s, I think, or maybe even late 80s KISS uh, TV special Mm -hmm. called KISS Exposed. Oh, no. How would they put that on TV? That's not appropriate. I don't know. Or maybe it was direct-to-video or something, because there there were definitely boobs up in there. Nice. (laughs) Long way around, but at least we got to mention boobs. So Kiss, the band, uh, they're going to get their own Netflix movie. Shout it out loud. It's going to be called. They're saying it's going to be like the Kiss version of Bohemian Rhapsody. Like what Bohemian Rhapsody did for Queen, that's what Shout It Out Loud is going to do for Kiss, including... Just like as with Bohemian Rhapsody, members of the band are producing the movie. Uh, so Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley mm. will be producing. They'll be looking over everyone's shoulder, making sure it's the proper version of the Kiss story that they want to be out there. I'm assuming his it's Joachim or Joachim Runing. He's the Norwegian director. He did Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. He's going to direct this film, which uh, looks like it's coming to Netflix probably next year. Or... Maybe the end of this year. You know what I love about uh, Joe? Tell me his name again. Joachim Ruining? Yeah. It looks like how you would say Joachim in English, but because he's Norwegian, I'm betting it's like Joachim. You know what I like about that guy? He he slips seamlessly between comedy and drama. Um, (laughs) He slips seamlessly (laughs) between fantasy and fantasy so far, but now he's going to do Kiss. Um, my prediction is it's less like Bohemian Rhapsody and more like the Motley Crue Netflix movie, The, the Dirt. Dirt, that was called. <laughs> wow, that yeah. was terrible. That's one of those movies where at no point did they have the conversation like, is this supposed to be fun? Like, Absolutely. some scenes are pitched totally satirical and it's goofy and ridiculous. And other scenes are like, here's the real story of what happened with Motley Crue. And it's like, you can't do both. Oh, no, it was like, it was bawdy and raw. And I think that's when it was at its best. Yeah, it's based on a book where they like have sex with burritos to get the smell of uh, another woman off of their genitals. Like you gotta pick a lane, you know? Like Yeah, but but then it, it shifts gears and there's, whoa, a very fucking serious vehicular homicide <laughs> that happens. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. It doesn't know what the hell. So hopefully this one is uh, well because because Gene and Paul are are involved. I doubt it's going to be super raw. It's probably going to be the very sanitized, inspirational. Like, look at me, we, we made a band. Gene Simmons. Years. Gene Simmons. That guy's uh, kind of a piece of shit, right? Uh, you know, I mean, I don't. <laughs> is he the kind of piece of shit where we should like all condemn him? Like, I don't, I don't know enough to say. He just seems like kind of an asshole. Like, like. Just if we're just judging by personality. I don't like their music, and so it's just weird that they're as famous as they are. Like, that's the yeah. weird thing. Like, their stage uh, presence with the makeup and everything is is pretty cool. And that was kind is of, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, that was kind of, is it, what's that? Is it? Like, I don't know. I feel like I was like 12, and I was already like, this is dumb. Oh, when I was a kid, I'm like, wow, that's scary and cool. When I was a kid. Yeah, I don't, I don't. That didn't. I saw them. I saw Kiss play once. Uh, I went. They, K-Rock has these summer events called the, the Weenie, Weenie Roast and Carnival. Yes, right. Or that was just the Weenie Roast. It used to be the Weenie Roast and Carnival, and they were they were right by where I grew up in Irvine Meadows in in Irvine, California. Oh, that would be where the shows were. I went like a few summers in a row to go see those. And one year, Kiss was the headliner. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. The only song I knew was uh, I, I want to rock and roll all night and and party every day. 
Uh, and while they were performing it as the big encore, the stage accidentally lit on fire. Whoa. That's true. It, you know, in an interesting link to one of the to one of the films we'll be reviewing. But uh, indeed, it was it did not end tragically. They put the fire out and just ended up looking like clods. Good, I'm glad to hear that. But my memory of it is still like, what a bunch of clods. I saw Gene Simmons. It was very Spinal Tap. <laughs> um, yeah, with with the uh, Stonehenge. With well, the, yeah, well, they they uh, had to stop playing and be like, oh, it looks like the stage is on fire, guys. I'm doing a British <laughs> accent. To- to make right. it sound like Spinal Tap, they yes. are from New York. They're not. They're not. Right, British. right, right. Uh, I saw Gene Simmons at the airport once. We were both waiting to get on the same Southwest flight from Las Vegas back to Los Angeles. Why does Gene? He's a like. Why would he be flying Southwest? That's crazy. No idea. No idea. That's. I know that it totally crazy. And but the thing that stuck out to me, Gene Simmons, from what it looked like, he met some woman right there at the airport, and started close talking with her, like, very intimately. Of course, he's a, yeah, I mean, we all know he's a creep. Like, he's obviously got very creepy tendencies. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, you know what, my, my prediction, uh, yes, closer to the dirt than yeah, Bohemian probably. Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't even that good. It's it's just uh, Rami Malek's performance. Let's be honest, it's a, a bad movie. And Rocket Man, which we spoke of earlier, superior to Bohemian Rhapsody. Actually, Rocket Man was very divisive on critics. I, I thought I actually thought it was delightful. I really enjoyed Rocket Man. I enjoyed it too. Like the- I thought it was weird. The one thing I think is weird about Rocket Man is that though we all know the movie's in a lot of ways about how the lyrics are written by Bernie Taupin, not Elton John. Right. Nonetheless, it keeps trying to do this thing like the songs are about Elton John's life. Like, no, they're not. You didn't You didn't even write them. The movie's about how you didn't write them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. But maybe- uh, I just maybe, don't know how, I don't know how to make that work better. It's just weird. Maybe Elton was like, hey, Bernie, could you write about this? So, and Bernie's like, oh, I, I, yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can hook it up. I can hook it up, Elton. So in my neighborhood, Saturday night was okay for fighting. You were allowed to do it then. Maybe you could write a song about that. And, <laughs> and here it hits, is. Hits were born. Platinum records. We all like to play rock music along with our friends, the Crocodiles. Maybe you could write a song about that. I don't know why he's Cockney now. <laughs> I turned him into, it's the only kind of British accent I can come Come on, I was do. going along with it. I was going along for the ride. He's like Ray Winstone. I was like, oh, she wrote a song about Crocodiles. <laughs> It's not how it was. Was Elton John in a Guy Ritchie movie? <laughs> My name is Growl Tiger. I work at the docks. So it's, you saw Cats, right? Did you see Cats? Yes. Oh, but um, I, when I saw it, I was very high and drunk. That's good. But the best thing in Cats. Fell asleep during Cats. One of the best things in any movies ever is asking Ray Winstone to play a cat. Asking uh-huh. Ray to, pl- to play a cat who gets his own song. And then you find out that's not even in the original show. They made that up for the movie. <laughs> that's insane. How can any of that be true? Bottom line, Winstone gets what Winstone wants. <laughs> Whatever Winstone wants, Winstone gets. Yes. And little man, Ray Winstone wants you. Last story, Roku. You remember Roku. They're probably the box you stream things on, most of you. Yeah, I was an Apple TV guy, but uh, sure. Yeah, the Roku, the Roku device. Well, anyway, they've got a channel that's like a free ad-supported channel on Roku. If you've got a Roku box, you can actually just go to Roku.com and watch it, even if you don't have a Roku box, I think. Don't quote mm-hmm. me on that. Anyway, they bought Quibi's shows. Quibi, that that mobile app that is now defunct. Yes, yes, those short, like, 
Quibi. It was around right. for a remember Quibi. Remember Quibi for a Quibi? You remembered yes. Quibi? Uh, so Roku bought up all of Quibi's shows, mm-hmm. and now they're going to rebrand them as Roku Originals and put them on the Roku channel. They're being so brazen. They're even going to, you know, new fronts where you go to sponsors and you're yeah, like- the upfronts or the- Right. Their upfronts are TV. The new fronts are the digital version of it. But okay. they're the same thing. It's where the networks and the streamers go to advertisers and they show them their slate of upcoming shows like, hey, Coca-Cola, don't you want to put your ads on this? Look at this lineup of content. Yeah. So Roku's going to go to the new fronts and show them Quibi shows and be like, sponsor these Roku originals. That's a bold-faced lie. These are Quibi shows that How you're just dare they? putting a new coat of paint on. How dare they substitute a Quibi for a Roku? Uh, Liam Hemsworth getting chased around by Christoph Waltz for 10 minutes at a time. <laughs> I like that you've picked that as the joke, but that was like the best Quibi show. There's way more stupid ones than that. I couldn't tell you what was the best or worst Quibi show, whether it was that or Judge Chrissy Teigen or what. I'm going to tell you right now, the dumb, there were a lot of really dumb, I watched a whole shitload of dumb Quibi shows. Did you and I have a chat once about the golden arm? Yeah, the Rachel Brosnahan, um, bury me with my golden arm. Yes. Not to be confused with the Frank Sinatra heroin movie, The Man with the Golden Arm. <laughs> That's like meme funny. Like you could pull that moment out and it's so crazy. But the dumbest thing that I ever saw on Quibi was a show called Dishmantled. It was hosted by mm-hmm. Titus Burgess from uh, Kimmy Schmidt. He's funny. He's fantastic. Yes. That's why I watched this one. I was like, who doesn't like Titus? Hell yeah. He's Titus Andromedon on Kimmy Schmidt. His real name is Titus Burgess. Uh, so he hosted the show. Here's the concept. You've got... Chefs, two chefs, they're in booths, like see-through booths, and they're wearing protective gear. And then they put a kind of dish, like an entree, into a cannon and shoot it at them. And they've got to, like, taste themselves and taste the food that's been shot at them, deduce what recipe it is, and then go recreate it themselves. And whichever chef recreates a dish that's closer to the dish that was fired at them wins the competition. That was the show. I'm stunned. I'm stunned this got greenlit. This is a double dare. This is a double, you just described double dare with Mark Summer. Bear this in mind. As stupid as that premise is. Yes. The second episode ever they fired at them like fettuccine with pesto. And it's like, well, if you're pesto makes it so we, of course you can taste pesto immediately. What's even the point of this competition? You gotta make it a thing I can't immediately, like not the world's most identifiable flavor. Nothing else tastes like pesto. Wait, pesto is the world's most identifiable flavor? But think about Blonde. it. Hal, think about it. If I were to fire at you like an enchilada. Yes. Well, maybe it's a taco. Maybe it's a tostada. Maybe it's a burrito. Okay, you're talking about a thing versus a flavor. Those are all flavor profiles. But if I were to fire at you pasta with pesto sauce, what else is that going to be? What other food have you ever had that tastes like a dish of pasta covered in pesto sauce? A panini? There's no, you could feel got bread. You. I got you. I got you. You didn't. A, pan, a pesto panini and a bowl of pesto pasta is nothing alike. Well, I, I was, my contention was that pesto. And you're just, you're, I'm, I'm saying you've already gotten it narrowed down to a pesto. What other dishes are there? There's like two ever. Anyway, I'm just saying there are better foods to shoot at someone. This show sounds um, like ungreenlightable. It's terrible. Well, I mean, like all Quibi was, was like, hey, 
What if we took this movie and like hacked the shit out of it into 10 minute chunks for no reason? Or... Oh, was there a Fugitive show on Quibi? Yeah, it was just called The Fugitive. There was like a reboot of The Fugitive. Wow. All of those shows were just like, it's a movie, but we've just diced it up into 12, 10 minute chunks instead of just showing it to you as a movie. Or that was one time. And then the other guy was like circa 2010 BuzzFeed YouTube videos. That was it. That's all That's all that was on Quibi. Sheepers creeper. Well, congrats, Roku. You got a full slate. A court show with Chrissy Teigen. That's totally 2010 BuzzFeed content. And it's like a show where like a, a girl discovers she's a robot, but 10 minute chunks for two hours. You know what, Roku, if you want to lie to the American public, you know, that's between you and your maker. That's between you and your God. If your conscience can let you boldface lie to people, have at it. How's disgusted. I am disgusted. <laughs> Never seen you this upset. Is that all the news? That's it for the news, folks. Oh, God, I am sick to my stomach. I'm going to recover for a moment. When we come back, we're going to talk about a new show on HBO, HBO Max, Mayor of Easttown. Lon, I, I got to tell you what, I really like this first episode, Mayor of Easttown, HBO, HBO Max. Did you? Kate Winslet. Did you? I didn't hate this. I didn't hate this. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to watch more. I got to tell you, though, 90% of what's keeping me moving on this is just the presence of one Ms. Kate Winslet. I was particularly drawn to Kate Winslet's performance, which it feels very lived in. You believe that she's sort of this, you know, blue-collar Pennsylvania tad. I have one of the very rare instances when anyone is even attempting a Philadelphia accent, let alone kind of nailing it. Like, she does, she's doing a really good Philadelphia accent, mm -hmm. and that it's hard to do. Like, other than, like, Kroll Show and they do Pennsylvania. when was the last time you even... So, like, even in Rocky, they don't really try to do the accent. Yeah, you know, I, I spent a good deal of time uh, in Pennsylvania going to Penn State, and I knew a lot of people with... Uh, you know, that, that Yun's going downtown and the kind of... Uh, well, that's not, you're not doing it. But no, it's hard to do. That's yeah. the point. That's the point. I grew up there. Mm -hmm. I used to have this accent. I dropped it. And now it's hard for me to even remember what it used to sound like. But there's one moment in particular where she asked somebody for a glass of water. And that's really hard to nail if you didn't grow up saying it. And she's doing, for a British person, like an impeccable job. Yeah. Really, really impressive. Uh, having said that... Yes. <laughs> Lay it on me. Uh, this was fucking boring. And like, I no. think it, and I think it <laughs> felt like it's a guy, the guy who wrote it also wrote that movie, The Way Back, Brad Inglesby, I think is his name. And you could tell that he's a film writer because mm -hmm. he's really letting this like slow burn. I get The Way Back confused with The Way Way Back. Which one's The Way Back? The Way Back is Ben Affleck is an alcoholic oh, basketball yes. coach. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, that movie was, uh, I enjoyed it, but a little on the nose. Yes, and, and I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I thought that was, it was, it's a pretty good movie. Ben Affleck's very good in it, but it's, mm -hmm. it, it's not a knock on this guy as a writer. This feels like very much like a screenplay where we're slowly getting to know this town and these people, and there's no real drive or urgency behind it. And like for the pilot of a TV show, I was just like... You got to give me something to latch on to here, man. Like, if this was going to, like, I'm going to wrap this up in this sitting, I'm going to be more forgiving with that. But the central problem isn't even introduced until the end of the episode. 
True, but there are absolutely large-sized breadcrumbs towards the central plot uh, given throughout. And the, the, and there's a, a nice combination of things happening. I think, you know, I agree with you that Kate Winslet is uh, really bringing the heat. And you can see, like, her character is uh, heroic and troubled and uh, just a lot of complexity. And a lot of complexity in the town and the people of the town. And... This is going to sound weird, but I, I just think the art direction and the lived-in nature of this blue-collar town really resonates. And I felt like I was watching people who were truthful, and I wanted to spend more time with them. And then the stuff they gave us at the end—I'm not, you know, I'm not going to uh, spoil anything—but it's like, okay, now the game is afoot, and I want to watch Kate Winslet um, unpack the shit that went down <laughs> in this town. There's a lot of shows like this that internationally, I think this is a this is a format that people have really latched onto, like the troubled detective, the small community that's rocked by a horrific crime, the like mystery where, you know, everyone in town or so many prominent people had a motive or secrets are becoming you know upended. And I think I've just seen the format enough that it's like this just feels like a really like slack version of it. And it's like I wanted it to balance better better telling us the Kate Winslet story and the town crime story. Yeah, I liked it. I, you're right, though. There is some fat on the meat here, but they let the scenes play. They let the uh, the actors kind of act. And um, I agree the the supporting cast is great. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm along for the ride. Like the first episode ended. And I'm like, damn, I want more of this right now. Well, there you go. I'm going to stick with it. And, and, and who knows, by week three or four, maybe it'll grab me and I'll be like, you know what? That extra time we spent with Mayor up front really paid off now. I'm glad I got to know Guy Pierce. You know, it, Kate Winslet and the show in general, there's there's so much gray area in life. And I thought it did just a nice job of like, oh, this is not black and white. There's complexity and there's a lot to chew on. And It's also, I have to say, if you are going to take one of our most prominent, famous, sort of like respected filmmaking actresses mm -hmm. and make her vape on screen. Yes. Uh, you know, like it, it's hard to pull off and make that feel authentic. And she does. I believe that she vapes in this. Oh, oh um, yes. Uh, just That's like, a hard sell. It's a hard sell to get me to believe that Kate Winslet's vaping. Totally. Uh, I love that observation, Lon. It um, reminds me that... Uh, um, Rosamund Pike did some pretty good uh, vaping in I Care A Lot. She does, but it's it's more self-aware. That's what I like. Yes. Rosamund Pike feels like, oh, look at me. Rosamund Pike, here I am vaping, right? Whereas this just feels like, okay, Winslet wants to hit that pen. She's in. <laughs> like, I believe Mayor was vaping. I believed it. She's not blowing clouds. I would have liked to see one impressive cloud, but yeah. It's a choice. It's a bold choice. It's a it's a real choice to be like Kate Winslet hits the vape interior mayor's car. Like it's a you know. But yeah, it, it worked. It seemed authentic. I think that's just another thing that like you know it it adds. I, like, I applauded it the first time I saw it. I was like, all right, you like okay. the show and this and the performances. Like there's grit to it. There's like oh, like the people felt real. The blue collar like just working folks of this town felt legit. And the show also has a kind of a heart, the way it like, the, the way it kind of looks at people of color, teen moms. It I like the lens that this show's viewing the world with as well. Let's move on. So our next show, MTV's yeah. Teen Mom. Yes. <laughs> 
Lon, how come we haven't covered that yet? I know. I don't, I've never brought it up, but I should have. So, yeah, uh, Lon and I were, uh, yeah, we, we like some things and we are a little divided as well. But, uh, Mayor. You like this one more than me, but I'm going to stick with it. Mayor of East Town, HBO, HBO Max, uh, if you're trying to find it. Next up, we had Mayor of East Town. Now we have Frank of Ireland. This is the people of places show. It took me four out of six episodes to be like, oh, like the Bank of Ireland. It's a it's a pun. Oh, I didn't even realize. I think that. I think it's I think it's purposeful that. that Bank of Ireland and Frank of Ireland, you know, that's why it's it's because it's an odd, it's an odd phrasing for that. Right, right. So this show is uh, on Amazon, and it comes to us from the Gleason brothers, Brian and Dom Hall Gleason. Donald. Uh, Brian, I'm I'm not. Donald. Donald. He yelled at me in person once for calling him Domnal. It's Donald. Do- it's Donald? Donald. Not, not, it's Donald without the D on the end. Donald. Donald. Gotcha. Thank you for, um... For taking me to school on that one, I, I would. I've been Literally, Dom I, Hall. I interviewed him and Oscar Isaac at South by Southwest about the film Ex Machina, and gotcha. I introduced them as Oscar Isaac and Dom Nall Gleason, and he's like, "Oh, like he made a big show about it. oh, it's man. Donald, like, like I'm from fucking Ireland, like I'm listening." Listen, man, I'm trying. Don't don't give me your like, oh my my white privilege about your Irish <laughs> name. Like, don't give me this. <laughs> Um, Just tell me how to pronounce it. This is a fun show. I like this. I watched this like all in like a day and a half. It's like light and funny and, you know, it's like darkly funny. It's very Irish in that way where it's like super cutting and sharp, but funny. You know, like it's staring deep into the characters' souls and judging them, but in an amusing way. Totally. I uh, I would say there's like a little bit of Step Brothers, maybe a little bit of Atlanta, a little bit of Tim and Eric, and just like in all different parts. These... Um, and but it exists kind of maybe even a little bit of Yorgos Lanthimos in it. It exists kind of in its own reality of people, but it's our reality, but not you know right. because these people mm, might be uh, too stupid to actually live. <laughs> yeah, it's a little like everything's a little bit like bigger. Like everybody's kind of hypersexualized. Yes. And everybody's kind of a little bit dumb, and everybody's sort of like borderline alcoholic and right it's like everything's a little cartoony yeah, people are big. driven by their ids like right. they're, the worst of them will come out at the drop of a hat but um damn it it was uh it, it is a good time like yeah, it's, it's, it's very like, silly very silly easy i mean like 24 minute episodes and there's only six of them so it really is like sitting down and just watching like a movie yeah i watched four of them before i'm like oh i yeah i'm just burning through this thing yeah yeah, and it'll probably come back for a few more seats. Like, you know, they'll do like two or three more runs of these, I bet. The supporting cast is great. Uh, like, there's just lots of funny and absurdity. And um, basically, the Gleason brothers play best friends. I'm surprised they're not playing brothers, uh, but uh, a couple of um, uh, best friend gingers going around having just the dumbest misadventures. I mean, in fairness... In Ireland, that's more common than here. Like in America, two guys who hang out all the time who are not related and they're both redheads, it would be a thing people would comment on. Like it would be a little bit rare and kind of funny. Sure. They would like form an improv group called like Two Gingers. You know, like it would, that would be, it'd be a thing. 
Yes. But in Ireland, where a lot of people have red hair, it's probably pretty common for there to just be two friends. Like, oh, there's only, there's like two hair colors in that entire country. Uh, Brian Gleason is uh, the main protagonist. What else has Brian Gleason been in? I, I did not really know. I mean, uh, other things in UK TV, apparently, but I'm not. Not anything I knew him from. Yeah, Donald Gleason. He's been in everything. He's, um, he's Hux. General Hux in the Star Wars films. Ex Machina, as I mentioned, he's the protagonist of that one whose name and I'm so many other things. He, oh, he was in he was in Brooklyn years ago, right? Yes, he, I mean, yeah. Don, Donald Gleason's in yeah. stuff every year. Like, oh, yeah. you've, you've seen him he's pop up in place. many things. Uh, yeah, so he's the sidekick. He's the sidekick, uh, Doofus. In this, yes. this is his character's name. <laughs> his name is Doofus. His name is, is well. They call. I, I. We don't know if that's his name name or that that's his childhood nickname. It might be a nickname. Uh, yeah, it's set in a Dublin suburb, which is not a, a setting I've really seen in a lot of other shows. And it's such a fun lark. Right. It's a funny little slice of life. It, it's not like oh my God, you absolutely must drop everything and watch this, but I enjoyed it for what it was. If you watch Frank of Ireland, you're going to get some giggles. Uh, so, you know what? There you go. It's on Amazon. Check out Frank of Ireland. Now, uh, we're going to Did you know, something. by the way, those are the sons of Brendan Gleeson. Yes. The star of the, the show Mr. Mercedes. He's Mad-Eye Moody from the Harry Potter films. They're a, oh, yeah. they're a very talented family, the Gleesons. Absolutely. Uh, Frank of Ireland. Available on Amazon. Now we go from something lighthearted to something uh, just like devastating. A tough watch. A tough watch. Yeah, a, a real gut punch of a of a documentary, but um, a, uh, something I would say, yeah, watch it. It's collective, not the collective, collective on Hulu. Uh, this is from Romania. It's actually up for two Oscars. It's only the second time in history this has happened. It's up for Best International Film, and it's up for Best Documentary. And what's really interesting is the only other time that happened was last year. The movie was Honeyland uh, from Macedonia. It was nominated for the same two, two Oscars. Yeah, so this film chronicles the aftermath of a tragic nightclub fire in Bucharest, Romania. And just the mishandling and the corruption that led to many more deaths than there should have been uh, from this tragedy. Right. And so there, there, a lot of people died in the fire, but then a lot of the vic- 30 plus victims died later in the hospital, either from inadequate care or because they had been, the hospital was disinfected using diluted disinfectants that did not work. So imagine, like, mm-hmm. if your hospital's not clean and sanitary, then you get these horrible bacterial infections that are very resilient to antibiotics because everybody's on medicine at the hospital. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, so it was this out of control situation, and you're following these journalists who were from a sports newspaper. They, they right. usually cover soccer, but nobody else was covering this story. So they kind of start looking into it, and it's just, it never stops. Like, revelation after revelation, it keeps getting worse and worse. The rock goes deeper and deeper. It's it's like a, it's like actually a conspiracy thriller unfolding in real time. And the way they talk about it, you know, we'll look at the uh, the U.S. government and say, oh, so-and-so seems like a, a crime boss or like this this mayor or this governor seems super corrupt. But the level of corruption in the Romanian government in regards to how government uh, institutions and how hospitals are run it's staggering. And they bring in a, a white knight, someone who um, seems to be earnest and has uh, 
the right mindset to try to bring real reform so people can heal instead of the hospitals working for profit and to feather someone's nest, he gets thwarted. There's so much that is vexing and frustrating. Yeah, and- it's, it's, a, it's great because it's about this specific story and you get a lot of the details and you learn a lot. I mean, I knew nothing about any of this and I learned all about it from this movie. But it also feels universal mm-hmm. because it's it's making this point that yeah obviously this CEO who was behind this company that's making these terrible diluted disinfectants he's obviously like a criminal and horrible and an evil corrupt person but the movie's kind of making this point that he couldn't have done it or gotten away with it without dozens, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of other people helping and covering for him and making these shady deals and not telling their supervisor, not reporting it. And it's like, it's only possible because everyone or so many people in this system have been compromised and are complicit. Yeah, and the level of access that they get is uh, tremendous with uh, the head of um, the, or the the minister of health, he's the, the minister, minister of, health. of health. Thank yeah. you, good sir, and um, and for the newspaper. So the access is amazing, and you're absolutely right, Lon. This unfolds like a TV drama, you know, with the twists and turns. Yeah, it really it feels scripted at points. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's not, and it's and um, it's riveting heartbreaking and, you know, not going to give anything away about the ending, but that ending, it just like an abrupt gut punch. It, it, it does. It sadly feels universally applicable. Like this is about this thing that happened in Romania, but it really does feel like this is how these things happen. Like we always set out with these like, oh, this is a terrible problem. We're going to fix it. But somewhere along the line, the fix gets derailed or the process gets upended or people get distracted or it doesn't always play out the way you would sort of think or hope that it would. Absolutely. And, uh, Besides the fact that it's frickin' great, uh, y'all should watch it because, like Lon said, it's nominated for two Academy Awards. And uh, so, uh, you know, bone up on that shit, y'all. The Collective, it's not The Collective, Collective. Just Collective. It's on Hulu right now. Yes, check it out. Lon, I have to say something to you that I didn't say at the top of the show. Please. Hoot hoot. Oh. Shout out to Owl Nation. <laughs> um, so where Michael Hooligan's at. Thank you everybody for joining us. Whether you're an owl or not an owl, or you don't know what I'm talking about, appreciate you listening. Thank you to Starburns. Thank you to our lawn, Adam Macias, our fantastic yes. producer. Um, he's onward and upward to bigger He's and us. better things. Right. Yes. He's like, we were merely a stepping stone. I understand. You know, you got to listen. That's how it is in the media business. You got to do your time with Hal and Lon. Yep. And then you get the Rudnick bump and you go on to bigger <laughs> and better things. Indeed. Uh, so, Adam, you were very good to us and uh, better than... <laughs> better than we deserve. Best of luck as Scott Rudin's new assistant. I'm sure you're going to do great. <laughs> Broadway maniac. I haven't Scott heard Rudin. anything negative uh, about this job. But um, I'd like to welcome our new producer, Travis Reeves. Travis, thank you for coming aboard. And uh, we appreciate you being here. I have a, this is one of those situations where there are two different roots from me to Travis, our new producer. Oh, He is housemates with Beth May, who competes in the Schmodown. How about that? Is that crazy? Six degrees of Is Travis. that a weird thing? There you go. Uh, I mean, 
pretty weird. Uh, Travis, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being here. And I uh, want to thank Jason Kay, who gave us the sweet licks that open up the show. Lon Harris, tell them where they can find you. Uh, find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to keep up with all the crazy, weird stuff I'm doing. None of it's crazy or weird. It's very normal, sane things. Uh, and then Inside Streaming is the newsletter I write every day, five days a week, about exactly this stuff. You would already have heard all of these news stories if you subscribe to that. You can do that at inside.com slash streaming. And you can find me at Hal Rudnick, H-A-L-R-U-D-N-I-C-K, on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, check out my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick. No longer Chuckle Face Lawn. Oh! I change it to Hal Rudnick. Wow. And, uh, but some millions of people know you as Chuckle Face. How are they? I know. It, it's going to be very disconcerting and confusing for people. It's going to break the internet, yeah. but we'll uh, we'll pick up the pieces and go from there. This is like Prince changing his name to the, the, the symbol. Right? Yeah. Lon, thank you. Thank everybody for listening. And go, you know, go give us a rating on iTunes. That would be nice. And uh, join us next time for some nice chit chats about streaming. Bye bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys.